0: Hi, this is James Christian from the House of Lords, and you are listening to Focus Unveiled. Listen up.
1: Hey Metal Ed, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another episode of Focus on Metal. Hope you enjoyed last week's chat with Howard Johnson on our Kerrang! episode 4. If you haven't had a chance to check that one out, I would urge you to do so. Great stuff. That guy had a ton of great stories. Pleasure to talk to And that really helped us make a great episode four of our Kerrang! project. However, this week we swing back to normal focus on metal business. And our guest this week is, uh, no, not James Christian, but Jimmy Bell from House of Lords. And of course, if you don't know yet, House of Lords just released their brand new one, Saint of the Lost Souls. And uh, Jimmy's come on board talking to Richie about the album, the making, the writing of it, the whole writing process behind House of Lords, but also including some great stories from back in the day back in the 80s, some classic Aussie stuff that he talks about, lots of good stuff. I think that Richie may have outdone himself on this one. So uh, good stuff this week with uh, Richie talking all about House of Lords with Jimmy Bell. But before we dive into all of that goodness, how about Track of the Week? So, what do Biff Byford, Brad Gillis, Rudy Sarzo, and Alex Holsworth have in common? Ah, yeah. Tough one, right? Well, they are all guests on the latest release from Wolfpack. Following up on the Rise of the Animal release on May 5th, Wolfpack released Wolves Reign. That's right. Mark Sweeney and Michael Voss are back again. I know I had a great interview with Michael Voss years ago. Great guy and uh, just amazing stuff these guys put together. And this time, I think they really up the ante on guests on the album. Like I said, Biff Byford, Ronnie Atkins, Michael Vassera, Steve Grimmett. I mean, just just that's in just in vocals. And uh, you know, you had Brad Gillis. Like I said, George Lynch, uh, Alan Brentini, Timo Somers, Chris Holmes from Wasp is on this thing. Rudy Sarzo on bass. Just like I said, ton of guests on here. But really, you know, you got to say, Scott, what about the music? Well, music is, as usual for Mark and Michael, pretty damn solid. You know, a lot of the releases that we get to our preview, they come in digital, and we don't really have liner notes or anything. And I didn't read anything about this album at all. I just put it on the USB stick, put it in the truck, popped it on, first song on, because for some reason it decided to play alphabetically was our track of the week, Blood Brothers. And uh, as soon as I heard the vocals, I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds like Biff Byford. And, uh, you know, just amazing, an amazing blend of Biff's vocals along with Mark and Michael. And it just, the guys seemed to fit on the track. And uh, I was just as equally enthused about the whole rest of the album. And it seems like they might have even been tweaking the heaviness up a little bit more on this one as well. But as usual for Wolfpack, just some really great, solid songwriting. So I think that AFM has another great new release on their hands. So, like I said, track of the week this week from Wolfpack, from the release Wolves Reign. This is Blood Brothers, featuring, of course, the legendary Biff Byford.
2: hey Hey, jimmy how you doing good buddy what you doing uh good to talk to you (laughs) good to talk to you too just to let you know we're just outside of boston so i know you're not too far away from us
3: oh i thought you why did i think you were in texas
2: no (laughs) i've never been to texas
3: thank god you'll get lost there yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well that's even better i didn't know that you were outside of boston yeah, oh, we could. I, I could have drove to your house and yeah. did the interview. I was actually. <laughs>
2: I've, I've often looked at um, the Max Explosion shows and thinking, you know, I must go down. It's a, probably about an hour away from where I'm living. So I might go oh, see you, should, you guys.
3: Actually, we're playing. Uh, we're playing one coming up uh, pretty soon. Um, Max and uh, and this other really great guitarist, Joe Stump.
2: Yeah, I no joke. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, we're playing together. Him, him, and I—we're uh, playing at uh, the Cannery Music Hall in Southbridge, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, yeah, that's coming up. Uh, that's coming up in like two weeks, actually. Oh no! Nice. He's doing his. Yeah, he's doing his. Uh, he does his uh, that Black Knights. One of one of the one of the he does a lot of Deep Purple bands, but uh, one of his one of his band is called Black Black Knight Castle. So he's doing that that night, and then uh, of course I'm playing with Max that night. And right. it's always good to do it together, you know?
2: Yeah. Do you ever get as far off as Bo- as Boston or up north of Boston at all? Or is it Rhode Island-ish, Connecticut, is that as far as yeah, you Yeah, it's
3: out? it's only been there. But, I mean, uh, you know, with House of Lords, though, doing, the, um, we, you know, with the U.S. agent that we just signed on with uh, the last couple months, um, I'm sure we'll be doing things all over the place. So it, it will be great to see you. I'm sure we're going to run into each other.
2: Yeah, yeah so did you know that the demons down album was 25 years old about a week
3: and a half ago um i, I there's a guy a friend of mine on facebook from brazil actually he's a big fan from brazil and he's uh, he's in the music business himself a bit and uh he he posts every time an album is, is celebrating an anniversary and uh he posted demons down and like every every house of lords record that I've done like when world upside down came out and then come to my kingdom all those um, it's you know he always posts a picture of it and says what year anniversary it is it's really cool so yeah I actually did see that the other day yeah great so. album demons down was for uh, for that band their their first three records were were epic I was they going really to, I was going
2: to ask you like where do you rank that as against the other two because a lot of people see that one as a little bit of the sleeper record that came out when grunge hit and a lot of people say the first record or sahara and they don't really talk about demons down that much
3: well demons I, you know it's hard to say because you know i've had a lot of people um say the opposite uh that they feel demons down is like an incredibly strong record that that's one of their favorites so even like with the, uh, the, you know, the seven records that I've done with House of Lords now myself, everybody has their favorite record. My, w- one of them that's my least favorite record, uh, since I've been in the band is some people's favorite record. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of weird, you know, and I go like, oh, really? You like that one? You know, but, uh, I, I'm not to say I'm not proud of every record I've done with them. I'm just saying that, you know, we have our favorites. We all do. Yeah. Even yeah. the band. But as far you know, I mean, Sahara is a great record. Um, and uh, but, you know, Demons Down's got some great songs on it. You know, that's that's the thing you get. It's everybody's personal taste.
2: Yeah. How much of that have you played live with James? Have you done? Much, have you done many of the songs at all? Or is it really no. off the first two?
3: No, uh, uh, only off the first two we did. Um, I'm trying to think if we did one song is, uh, I, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't mean to sound like I don't know my own band's um, history. Um, uh, but we used to do a song, Talk About Love. Yeah. Um, and I believe that's on Demons Down Record. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, so we, we did do that one tune um, at the very beginning of the band when I first joined. That was one of the tracks we did. And then we used to play Edge of Your Life. I don't know what album that one's on. That's the debut. The, is that on the debut too? Yeah. Yeah, we used to do a lot off that record. We still do live. We still do, uh, well, uh, the old songs. Let's see, Sahara, Can't Find My Way Home, Want to Be Loved, Hmm. Love Don't Lie, uh, Slip of the Tongue, and Pleasure Palace. We do six songs still from the old days. Yeah. Um, You know, we have to do them. Yeah.
2: That's just the way it is. One of the things I'm curious, Jimmy, reading your bio, um, and I'll get into it later on, is all the audition stuff you went through in early in your career. And oh, Hel- yeah. House of Lords had a lot of guitarists go through them after Lanny left of his dog, and then, you know, Dennis Chick played on some of the record, didn't play on all of it. They brought in all these guest players. Were you, were you ever auditioned or even aware that they were looking for guitar players back then?
3: Yes, I was. And funniest story is, like, James Christian knew me, Uh, from back in the days because he's a local boy up here too in connecticut he used to be in a cover band Mm -hmm. years ago called eyes and i was in a band called joint forces and we were two big bands Uh, joint forces was an all original band uh, but eyes did some originals but mostly covers but they were a really really good band um and Uh, You know, we were on the same kind of circuit, so I was very aware of who he was, and he was very aware of who I was. Then, you know, uh, he went out to, you know, the the story goes out to L.A., gets discovered, Gene puts the band together and with him and Greg, and, you know, that's the history there. But there was a point where they were looking for a guitar player, and a a friend, a mutual friend of ours, sent a videotape of me when I played with Deezer Butler. He sent uh, a, a videotape in, and James never saw it because James told me, Jimmy, why didn't you ever audition for the band when, you know, uh, back when we were looking for guitar players? I said, James, we, I, you know, I sent a tape. I, John Dubuque, our, our mutual friend, sent it. And he goes, I never saw it because you know you would have gotten a gig. He says, yeah. you know you would, you know. So that's pretty funny that uh, I, uh, I maybe would have been in the band years ago. I actually have a photo. Of James and I, right as James uh, got in House of Lords, and you know, Gene, you know, did whatever he was going to do with him, and you know, you know, made him up and looked, you know, looked all different, and rocks, you know, like, you know, put a lot of money into, he's, you know, really did a great job, and he um, into the band, you know what what he did with the band, and he um, he came and sat in with me at a gig. Uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, which was really cool because so we here we are. He just gets in House of Lords, and I was playing, and he got up on stage and played with me. So you know, there's there's always been a little bit of history with him and I together.
2: Nice, nice. So of course, this new record is the first one you've had in a while where you've had a lineup change. Now, I know you're still playing with Chris McCarville, but, but what made him leave? Was it that he got the gig in Dockin' or, or was it something? Yeah, else?
3: yeah, no, that was it. That was totally. It. He was uh, Chris was in Dockin' back in 2007. He had played with Don Ben. Um, we did a we did a tour with House of Lords with a different bass player in 2007, and um, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but things didn't work out between Chris and Don Docken back in 2007. So, you know, Chris ended up not, you know, was, was out of that. And then we took Chris back in and then finally, um, you know, he's always kept in good communication. Don's album covers and, uh, you know, Chris is a graphic artist and an amazing artist and, uh, uh, he, he takes care of merchandising and all that, he, and he's gotten the uh, videos and stuff. He's done all the Max Explosions videos and even a couple of the House of Lords videos he did. Not the last one, but uh, uh, two of them before. And, uh, you know, Don, um, you know, I, I don't know if those things had anything to do with it, but uh, Don approached him again and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking for a bass player. Would you be interested in the gig again? And it was just one of those uh, financial things, I guess, you know, it was, uh, you know, the money was, was a good offer and he felt it would be a good move yeah. at the particular time, which is totally cool, you know? And, and honestly, you know, every time there's a member change, you know, I, I you know, I freaked out, you know, it wasn't like I panicked, but I just, you know, it's one of those things you got to go, oh God, here we go. Okay. What are we going to do now? We've had the same lineup here forever. Uh, who are we going to find? And it was just so weird how Chris Tristram came to us. Um, a friend recommended him. uh knew he was looking for work. He just left Jack Russell's uh, Great White. Yep. And uh, it just happened to come around. You know, it was one of those things. Boom, it was like uh, the stars were in alignment. <laughs> you know? yeah, he yeah. was, a, you know, I got him on the phone. He called me back. I talked to him for, you know, literally, you know, just, you know, five, ten minutes. and. I just knew right off the bat that this guy was going to be our guy. I didn't. I didn't even have to hear him play. I mean, in my mind, I said, "Look, he's playing with Jack Russell, so obviously he could play guitar. I mean, play bass. It's not like he doesn't know how to play." So um, I figured that he was a you know good musician anyway. But you know, we still did an audition with him, and you know, he came up and just played with me and BJ, and he did great. You know, and he was he's the nicest guy in the world, real funny real real low key dude and uh great to work with and he really is a great bass player so uh, we were very blessed to get him
2: yeah can i ask you like who who's richard Hymus? i know james has got a lot of outside songwriters in in the past but can you tell me a little bit yeah, about him yeah
3: I, I i don't know a lot about him i wish i could tell you uh these <laughs> are, he has a lot of people that he that he uses as outside lyricists you know that he collaborates with on lyrics which is which is really cool because you know even you know every house of lords record even has like one or two songs from a different different writers music writers even like sometimes time and and this one had uh one from uh alessandro uh he wrote uh, this unbelievable song that's on there um you know every once in a while we'll take a track from somebody different it breaks up the the style because I have a certain style of writing that I do as, as much as I try to, you know, be very, uh, diverseful in what I write. You know, I try to, you know, do different things. You know, I'm still right. The way that I write, I have a certain attack on the guitar, a certain way I do riffs and everything. So, you know, that it's a song that I've done. So, uh, you know, you know, just to break it up a little bit, sometimes they will throw in something from a different, you know, different source. And, uh, you know, he he just seems to. I, I think lyricists do that, you know. Sometimes they'll get some outside writers in there, which is fine with me. As long as the song comes out great, that's all I care about.
2: Yeah, did you've done seven albums now with the band? Have you ever taught, said to James, "Can we not just write it? Write it as a band with no outside songwriters, or is that just
3: never going to happen?" Well, you know, what what I, I forgot which record was it? I think. The last one, Indestructible. I don't think had any outside writers on it. I, I could be wrong. Maybe one song or something. One one record we did, um, uh, Big Money had more outside writers than it did. You know, like I, I'll I'll explain to you how the thing how we we do our process. We every time we do a record, we give James. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll write. Most of the songs, most of the the music part. None of the lyrics, no melodies or anything. I'll come up with the basic foundation for a song. I go over to BJ's house. Uh, he lives not too far from me, and I play him the song. Now either BJ will say that's a good song, um, or he'll say, "Okay, that's good. That part's good. Let's work on this." You know. So we we tear it apart, work on it, and then we record it. And we don't record as a demo. We record it as if we're actually. Putting it right to record because we don't want to send, you know, do demos, send them down and have to re record the song just in case James loves it. We say, you know, what the heck, we might as well just make believe that he's going to like it. And if he doesn't like it, it's no big deal, you know? So uh, we record it as if it's the final take. Then we send it to James. And if he likes it, then that's when the uh, production process starts to happen. He might move a part around, but that's usually. You know, usually we're pretty good. We know how to write for him now. And he, uh, you know, starts with the lyrics, the melody lines, and that's how the things go. But we usually give him uh, at least 15 to 20 songs, every record to pick from. And, you know, depending on how the vibe of the record is going, that's what makes it, uh, you know, that's that's how it works, takes direction. Usually, like, he'll write the first song. And once he writes the very first song, that kind of sets the direction of what the record's going to be like. Indestructible um, had a, um, a much had a heavier vibe to it. That whole record was a, a bit heavier, than this record, and you know. And you get the, the fans that go either way with it, like, you know, I had a bunch of people that like heavier stuff go, oh, yeah, Indestructibles are you know great record. It's got a heavier vibe to it. And then uh, the people that don't like the heavier stuff go, oh, it's too heavy. And then this one, you get a couple of people that are, you know, go, oh, it's this is too um, AOR. It's too, you know, poppy. It's not as heavy, you know. So you, you're never going to, like, be able to get a well-balanced. You try to get a well-balanced, but it's it's tough, you know. You know, you're trying to please everybody, and it's it's really hard.
2: Yeah, now when I but, when I listen to this one, I have to say that I thought that the keyboards were definitely more upfront in the mix on this. Yes, would would James tell you that right from the start, or would 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 it would it just happen when he sent you the final mix? You go,
3: holy crap, this is not as heavy as I thought it would be. Well, that's exactly how it happens. It's he we we never know what the song is going to sound like until he until they come back now. Uh, i think uh for some reason he decided to go a little bit more keyboard heavy which i'm not uh i'm not upset about whatsoever because we've had you know a lot of people in the past you know say oh you know it's too bad you know it cuz we're in a different market you know if we were if we were in the us market doing what you know what the music is uh you know obviously there probably wouldn't be any keyboards in it because it's not it's not like that you know this is This type music is all geared into the Europe market, Um, you know, the 80s, you know, big keyboard sound and everything. And, uh, you know, I wasn't upset at all that it came back. In fact, it was a it was a nice breath of fresh air, although, you know, the people that say that House of Lords songs, you know, don't have every song has got keyboards in it. If you listen to every single House of Lords song since I've been in a record, there's keyboards on everything. You know, it's just, you know, some of the guitar riffs are a lot heavier. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, that's what you have to deal with.
2: Yeah. Now, how hands-on is James when it comes to the guitar solos? Does he ever come back to you and say, Can, look, you did this a little bit, not the way I wanted it. Can you change it a little bit? Or is he more or less, he
3: knows what you're doing and, and he leaves it alone now? Only only, only a couple times he's he's done that. Only very, very few. Usually he lets all my solos go. A couple times when he's, you know, he's sent back, he'd call me and go, Jimmy. I go, (laughs) what? He says, you know, you know, the solo, you're not, you know, can you do a little something? He goes, you're just playing a a really fast bunch of notes there. You know, can you do a a little melody or something? You know, know, I, I do a solo. I'll, I'll tell you what process went a little different this, this time. Uh, you know, usually when I go to record, what used to happen is we would do the song and then the solo, then we'd go do the solo section last. And uh, DJ would, you know, you know, hit roll it. And, you know, I would go for a take of a solo. Uh, you know, I'd do one, maybe do another, do a third or fourth, whatever. And we say, oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that 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 we'll lead, we'll take that one. That's how we used to do it. And then sometimes I'd have to come back and fix a little something, but most of the time that's exactly how it went. Uh, this time on uh, on Saints of the Lost Soul record, I actually worked out uh, all my solos in advance, and uh, it was all because of a, a friend of mine, Greg Liza, who's a really really great guitarist. He does that on his stuff and he was just saying, you t- you know, he says, Are you telling me that you don't work out your solos in advance? I go, No, why? You do? <laughs> you know, I was kind of a joke about it. He <laughs> goes, Yeah, I do. I work out my solos in advance. What do you mean? I go, Oh, well, I, I never thought of that before. You know, I just you know, I, I you know, I'm I'm I do what Richie Blackmore did. See, I'm a huge Richie Blackmore fan, and Richie Blackmore never plays the same solo twice. You know, even live, you'll never hear Richie play the solo he played on the record. It just doesn't happen. So it's like, you know, I I go for what I feel like, you know, that that's how I always went off, you know, off the cuff. But um, this time I I actually sat, I recorded the sections on my phone. I played them on my phone and just kept playing them back, playing them back and practicing a a solo section. And I have to say it worked out a lot better.
2: Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit. Jimmy, about some of the songs on the record. Um, I've listened to the album a lot now because it's been out a, a couple of weeks, and I have to say that, in my opinion, it's stronger towards the end. I'm getting more out of the songs towards the end than I am in the beginning. Like, I think "Grains of Sand" is a fantastic song, and it's co- it's different to most of the other songs on the album.
3: Yeah, I didn't write that one. I did, that's that's. I think that's one of the ones. uh
2: No, you're I not think... credited on it. No, no, oh, Tommy I Denander.
3: Tommy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a great tune. I dig that tune. Um, yeah, it's all you know. It's all different stuff. I, I, you know, I, I personally love Saint of the Lost Soul. That's that's a song that there's something about that track that I just that gets me, especially the the way it starts uh, with the guitar riff and then the way he builds uh when he says you know he sings saint of the lost soul then he says it again there's another layer of harmony then the third layer of harmony then all of a sudden it kicks into this massive guitar riff going Boo, doo, 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 you know uh uh going into it uh there's something about that song really has a good drive and I, I like you know what he did with the keyboards on it Which really blew me away. That was "Rain of Fire." Yeah, I was going to ask you about that one. Yeah, "Rain of Fire." Now that that one, you know, um, I I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge ACDC fan. I've always been a huge ACDC fan. And when I actually did that song originally, um, I, I I had it started. Uh, the intro was very much like um, like Live Wire from the old Bon Scott ACDC. It, uh, it started off with the bass just stumping one note, and I was hitting all these big power chords over it. So, I mean, that was like kind of like the raw track on how it went down to James. Yeah. And and then when it came back and it had the mini Moog on it and all this, you know, we were just like blown away. We just couldn't believe that, you know, that's one of the real fun things about getting the songs like that because... Uh, if we're all in the studio together and we hear it being done all at the same time, it's not as exciting. It's like I I love when he sends me something and I play it for the first time and I go, oh, my God, this is so cool. You know, I, you know, you get to hear it for the first time because I know what I sent them. And, and then to hear back when it's all completed, you know, uh, produced, you know, and then with the, the harmonies and the vocals and the keyboards, it's, it's a whole nother song. You know, yeah.
2: Con- con- concussion as well is a, a, a different a bit of a yeah. different departure for you guys than on the yeah, I
3: love Yeah, I love concussion. I love it. I I was I wanted to do a song that had a beat like that because House of Lords never did a song that had a beat like that. It was a, um, it's just got that, you know, just yeah. something a little different, hmm. you know, and and there's nothing that says we can't do that. You know, there's not, there's not, no, no one saying you guys can't do that because it's, uh, it's got a little bit of a blues uh, vibe to it and stuff. But it, it's, it still sounds like a House of Lords tune. When, um, you know, by the time James does what he does, to me, everything sounds like a House of Lords song. Whether the, whether the beat and the vibe of it's a little different, uh, that could be, uh, you know, that could be something. But still, it always sounds like a House of Lords song to me.
2: Yeah, what was the was there one song on this that was difficult that stands out for you that like said, Oh God, that took ages to do, or does it come naturally to you
3: at this stage? You mean anything on the record?
2: Yeah. Mean? On this record, yeah.
3: Um No. They they were all kinda like uh, uh one of the hardest tunes that I played that I had to play was the song The Other Option. Yeah. Uh, that that one's a, um I I you know did a, a very difficult guitar uh, riff in there um it's it a lot of moving on the on the fretboard and I'll, and I got to jump. I'm jumping strings I'm doing this kind of arpeggiated do da do do da, da and uh it's it's a little bit difficult um it's something that I couldn't just like uh not concentrate on if we were doing that song live you know if we if we were doing that tune live I'd have to really like focus on that saint of the lost souls, believe it or not, I have to focus on that that whole riff, and because we do that song live hmm. that that whole guitar riff is moving That's down yeah. down down you know it's moving constantly yeah. all around, so That's a great song yeah i i I gotta really concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> So
2: you brought it up earlier, Jimmy. I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm not going to ask you more about this album as being your favorite because you probably say it is because it's new. But of the six you've done before that, which one is your favorite? And you did say you are the least favorite one. What's your least favorite?
3: Well, believe it or not, my least favorite um, is Big Money.
2: Oh, That's my favorite. <laughs> is it?
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, only, only because, you know, I, I got to tell you why. There's, there's a reason big money is is not totally my favorite. Um, has nothing to do with the songs as much as that um, I was going through a very bad um, period in my life when I recorded that um, you, know, uh, you know there was some I had some bad issues going on and it brings back that record I, I think about those things. Uh, what, what I was, you know, what I was doing and stuff. And I just, I associate that <laughs> with yeah. that, um, you know, and, and, uh, and James was sick yeah, uh, right. during that. Yeah. James, you know, James had uh, prostate cancer as, as I did as well. So James was just recovering from his prostate operation um when all this went down. Uh, when, when he was trying to mix Big Money and stuff like that, and, you know, trying to do the production on it. So I, I hear some things on there that, uh, you know, I could tell he was a little tired on and stuff because of the fact he was, you know, he was still recovering. You know, sure. he wasn't fully recovered by any means. Sure. And then, of course, I ended up getting prostate cancer. So, how's the, what are the chances of two guys in the same band getting that, you know? <laughs> wow. Know. No, Big Money's a great record. I'm, I'm, I, I have a lot of songs that, um, that I, I truly love on that. We still play Big Money live. We, you know, we we do Big Money. Um, there's a lot of tracks on the Cartesian Dreams record that I really love. Like, I love the song Cartesian Dreams. There's just, that that song to me, uh, it's got heaviness, it's got the keyboard, it's got this great, you know, this big, powerful groove going on with it, and, you know, something about it that I, I like every time I play it. Yeah, I one, love playing that song live. Yeah, Let's one, put it one, that
2: of, way. one of the things Jimmy I always remember when when I got World Upside Down and when I had James on, I went through the whole discography with James and I said the difference between the power and the myth, the way that sounded, and World Upside Down, World Upside Down was it was very melodic, but it was so heavy in the guitar. Like right. you, you must have been sh- were you shocked at how heavy that album ended up being?
3: Well, I was well, let's put it this way. Uh, I'll tell you how this, you know, when James approached me after Power and the Myth, you know, apparently people didn't, you know, people didn't care for that record somewhat. Uh, I don't know why, but, um, uh, you know, there's some really good songs on, on the record, but it just, you know, they, they were trying to change things around uh, a little bit. Um, you know, when James approached me to do, to write, um, ask me if I ever written a melodic rock song, you know, I said to him, yes, even though I had never written a melodic rock song in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't going to take a chance on not, not to try this and try to make this happen with House of Lords. You know, I didn't want to say, Oh, geez, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I didn't want to do that. So I just, you know, I said, yes, absolutely. So the first song I had sent them was I'm free. And that has drop tuning and uh and everything else, but he loved it. Yeah. And and the guy that that uh, helped him with the lyrics, Jeff Kent, he he flipped out when he heard the song. He was just like going, like, "Oh my god!" Uh, one one of the things Jeff Kent always said to me. In fact, he wrote a song called it on the "Come to My Kingdom" record. He says Jimmy has one foot in the dark. In other words, like I have this melodic side to me, but. I have this very dark side about me in, in my writing. So he always said I kept one foot in the dark, which I always thought was a very cool thing. <laughs> so that's how, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I was very pleased that he, he liked the songs. Um, for example, you know, when, when I talked about not hearing anything, you know, I sent him the whole song for These Are The Times, all the guitars and everything. And when that song came back and I heard that big vocal intro, that big uh, cappella intro that they put at the beginning yep. of These Are The Times, and oh my God, I just couldn't believe how great that song was. I, I was like, oh my God. You know, it was one of those oh my God things. <laughs> and and then I went and I, I, I pushed the envelope a little more and I sent them rock bottom and that has even a lower tuning on the low E string, and I said this is almost like this is borderline, almost like a Metallica type of thing. I said, I'm, but I'm going to send this. If he turns it down, he turns it down, you know. But you know, the person he worked with on it, uh, lyric wise, loved it and and was able to adapt to it perfect. And you know, once James heard. Uh, what where they were going with the song? You know, he fell in love with it. We still play Rock Bottom live to this day. Nice, nice.
2: So I just want I just want to finish up, Jimmy. I, I have to ask you about some of the auditions. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm did.
3: I I even I'm talking away here. I'm sorry. No, you're, <laughs> no,
2: you're good. You're good. I just want to ask you a little bit about uh, some of the auditions you did.
3: Yeah, now, sure.
2: Now the, the Aussie audition yeah. you did before the No Rest for the Wicked album. I'm curious, what was on the tape that you sent in into into the management?
3: Oh, you, you cut out right there. You dry. Hold on. Say that
2: one more time now. What was on the tape that you sent into to Aussie's management? I did. Okay.
3: Um, I didn't have to send a tape in. Um, I was endorsed by uh, the Kramer Guitar Company back in the '80s, and they they saw. No, actually, no. I did. Actually, I didn't send it in. The Kramer Company did. There was. They had a video of me like just doing a guitar solo. Like, just, like, you know, tearing it up on the guitar, going crazy. And they had already kind of picked Zach. They were already working with him. And then Sharon Osbourne received my uh, my t- my videotape from the Kramer Company. And she went crazy. I mean, she loved it. So they, uh, they flew me out. And then I had to audition with Phil, Suzanne, and Randy Steele. And that's how every guitar player that that did the audition uh did the Ozzy didn't wasn't in there for for any of the auditions and uh but Sharon sat in on mine to watch and you know after I got done playing uh you know she loved it and went back and told Ozzy and then they brought me to this big room the next day where um they had big you know big PA big stage and everything and then, then walked in Ozzy and I, I did about uh, five songs with him.
2: What did you play, Jimmy? You um,
3: yeah, uh, Crazy Train. I, I don't know. I don't know. Was the first one? Uh, uh, I don't know. Suicide Solution. I had to do. I think Flying High guitar solo. Uh, it, basically those. Okay. And um, and I'll I'll tell you a real funny story. Do I got time to tell you. Yeah, qu- no, oh, no funny go, story. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um before me somehow i don't know how this guy got an audition but there was a guy from sweden that got an audition and um apparently uh you know i was watching i was i was standing you know standing in this room watching him on stage and and when they did flying high you know the guy being from Sweden and Ingve being a popular, you know, just starting to get real popular. Uh, this this guy decided to take uh, Randy Rhodes's uh, classic two handed tapping part that he does in Flying High, where he do, you know he does you know this two handed ba- you know descending yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, this guy tried to do it all arpeggiated, like <laughs> you know, sweeping arpeggios. Well, let me tell you something. It was the freakiest thing because Ozzy was standing behind him, making like he was stabbing him with a knife, and then making like he was strangling him, and and all this stuff. I mean, it was. And then the guy would turn around, and Ozzy would give him a thumbs up. You know, and, and, <laughs> watching all this, I'm I'm going, oh my god, I'm flipping out. So, you know, this kid gets done. You know, they 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 send him on his way. And I go up. So now that I, I saw all this, I'm keeping this. I have to keep this in the back of my mind. Uh, but when I started playing, we started with I don't know, and you know I had a really good group going. I, I was I was all set for this, you know. So I kept I played, and it's it, it came out great. And when I did my guitar solo, uh, Ozzy got right down in front of my amp and was listening to me solo. And you know how Ozzy would do that thing that he does with the microphone? He stands there and rocks back and forth holding the microphone, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was doing that while I was playing and it was like just so cool. I was going, Oh my God, this is really, really, you know? So when I got done, um, you know, they sat, they, uh, you know, I sat down with them and they said that they said it's between you and Zach. So, um, they took me out to dinner that night. Uh, and then I went over to Ozzy's bungalow. I met his his first daughter that wasn't in the TV show, the uh, Amy. Amy, yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it, it was just a really cool thing. Uh, I went out to a club with the guys, uh, not Ozzy, but um, Randy. And uh, and then the next day, um, I, I was on a plane going home. I, you know. There was was so many things, though. You know, Zach, first off, they were already working with Zach. Zach kind of looked like Randy a little bit. You know, he had the, he was, you know, Zach didn't look like Zach looks like now. You know, you got to remember what Zach looked like back in 1980. He was just skinny, straight hair, no beard, no, you know, not buffed up kid. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was, you know, I'm not saying he was scrawny, but he was, you know, He wasn't like jacked up like Hercules, (laughs) you know, he was, uh, you know, he he, he looked normal. And uh, uh, it it was just, you know, he played the Les Paul, you know, like like Randy did. So, you know, I think it was, you know, it was a good move. You bring bring
2: up something there, Jimmy. Now, You, you mentioned that Zach looked a little bit like Randy. Did it ever cross your mind that you had black hair and you were left-handed, that one of the reasons you might have got the gig is that they might have said, okay, he's that's Tony Iommi.
3: Exactly. I can't even believe you just said that. Of course that can't cross my mind because afterwards somebody said that to me. And, you know, I sat there when he said it to me and I said, oh, my God, that could be totally it. You know, I said me being left-handed with black hair and him and Tony Iommi hating each other, it'd be Probably. I mean, obviously he knew I was left-handed. Uh, that could, you know, people are, are, you know, musicians that are, that are that huge, they, they have their little, uh, you know, their little freaky things, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that they believe in or something. So it, it could have been, it could have been anything like that. It really yeah. could have. Yeah. You know, honestly, Sharon, you know, really liked my, she really liked me and she really liked the way I played because she gave my tape to Geezer Butler uh next because geezer was looking for a guitar player and then i ended up playing with geezer for a little bit he flew me to st louis and then flew me to england i worked with him we did an audition got signed to mca records and then the guy that signed us to mca records got caught doing something illegal with the company either embezzling money or doing something so he got fired all his acts got fired i mean this is like this has been like such an amazing story that I have. I have people that want to write a book about my my all the things that have happened to me <laughs> and throughout my career. I'm serious. It's it's insane. Yeah. Some of the things.
2: Yeah. Who was the singer in Geezer's band
3: that you had? Uh, Carl Sentence. He's with Nazareth now. Oh, he nice. was Yeah, yeah. He's he took over for Nazareth. He was in. Uh, I think he was in uh, Helix for a while. I think he was even in Crocus for a little bit. Okay. Um. But yeah, Carl, he's he's been with Nazareth for uh, quite a while. Plus he played with Don Airy, mm-hmm. uh, in Don Airy's solo band. And uh how cool is that to play with Don Airy? Yeah. God.
2: No no, of course, the other band you knew you were nearly in was Mr. Bake.
3: Yes. That was another one. That was that was a whole other thing. I got a I'm sitting at my house, you know, and the phone rings and I get a phone call from uh uh it's Billy Sheehan and uh billy sheehan says to me uh um i'm putting together this band we have a guitar player i you know he says i have a guitar player in mind that i want he says i'm not going to lie to you he says i have somebody that i want but he says if by chance i don't get him, i saw your videotape and i'd like you to come out and audition for this because i think you'd be perfect for it um of course." You know, we all know what happened. You know, Paul Gilbert ended up doing it. Another one that I got a phone call from years ago was uh, Alcatraz. Oh, wow. A lot of people don't know that. I got a call from Alcatraz when Yngwie, uh left. And the only reason I didn't go out for that, the keyboard player, I forgot his name, really, really nice guy. Um, the only reason I didn't go for that is because I, I was signed with a, I was in a, a band that I was with, had just signed on with Joan Jet's management. We were gonna we were gonna be in the movie with Joan Jett. We were. We actually were in the movie light of day with Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett and we did a tour with Joan Jett. So we had just signed something. And, you know, I said, Well, I you know, I, I can't. I just did this and But uh
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you find did you find, Jimmy, that in the nineties that you were that sort of style of guitar that you had was shunned? It was like no solos, we don't want anyone with well, oh, absolutely! It all. Absolutely. So, did absolutely. you did you even audition for bands, and it just went mm-hmm. nowhere from from the get go? You knew straight away.
3: No, I just I didn't even bother doing anything. Uh, I you know in the nineties, I I got into believe it or not, I I got into country music a lot. Uh, I I not not hokey country music. I don't mean to say that. I got into uh, chicken picking guitar players like these amazing country players that are doing you know. A lot of snapping and popping, all like Albert Lee, uh, Brent Mason, all these guys that are playing all the famous Cat Studio records and stuff. That that style of playing really intrigues me. Like a guy that could play, uh, like I love to hear a pedal steel guitar. That that type of thing like really gets me when I hear it. Yeah. So I was just trying to experiment. I started going off on a couple different things. I was playing in cover bands in the nineties, but I never stopped shredding because I I never gave it up. Um, it's so funny you said that because uh one of my uh, a good buddy of mine mike mushak who who's the guitar player for was in stained oh he played on um,
2: St- he played on the newstead record didn't he Jason yes. newstead yeah he's a great player
3: yeah yeah um yeah he's uh and he, yeah he played for stained, stained for yeah. years you know mm-hmm. um and you know mike you know i just saw him the other day He's a shred guitar player. Nobody, not a lot of people know that, but the guy can shred on the guitar. He was, you know, back in, he was, he's a local boy and, you know, up, you know, more towards mass and he was able to, you know, really shred. And when Stain came out and they, you know, uh, uh, you know, had their first, I forgot the name of their first big hit that was played every single day for a million, million, uh, million days a week. Yeah. It was, <laughs> but it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there was no guitar solos in any of the stain songs. And but it was just they, they made a, a a bunch of money. So yeah. it didn't really matter, you know, it was kinda like but I I I always kept kept good to the shred. I always had a feeling it was coming back and I heard it coming back. I heard like bands start to throw it in. Even Stone Temple Pilots, uh, you know, I heard their guitar players starting to do some solos and stuff, you know, throwing some uh you know, some of that in, uh, Pearl Jam started, you know, a little bit more with the guitar solos. And you know, there were things I started hearing leads again in songs and I was going, Hmm. I said, this is something's going to happen here. These, some of these nineties bands are starting to play. And I think it's going to, you know, resurge again. And sure, sure enough, it did. Um, you know, and I, I couldn't be happier. Of course, now, <laughs> I see. You know, you go on the internet. I didn't have that luxury growing up. You know, I, I see this. You know, eight year old Japanese girl that could blow me away. I see that. You know, the, all these young kids. This this kid, uh, Matteo, somebody from Italy. That's the most monster guitar player. He's not, not even. He's just in his teens. And I'm going like I'm. Uh, you know, I I when I learned guitar, uh, I I had a record player. With three speeds on it, uh, uh speed sixteen, thirty three, and forty five. And I used <laughs> to slow the records down to try and learn how to play solos. That's what I did. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what it, There was no computers for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe NASA had computers, but not not Jimmy Bell.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now you have. Um, I think it's Rob Trujillo. He's gone, He's twelve years old. He's going out playing with corn. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I just saw that. Yeah. I go. You know.
2: I thought it was April That's, Fool's when I said, this "Isn't April the first, is it?" No, no. <laughs> I,
3: it, but you know what, though, I, I want, he looks just like his father. Doesn't he does
2: he? <laughs> yeah, he probably holds was, the bass like his dad down near his ankles, and yeah, he's just like he's, he's he's all about it, man. I think that is just like so great. Yeah, you know. So anyway, Jimmy, what what's coming up in the future for House of Lords? You you think you got a, a string of U.S. dates coming up?
3: Well, we do have. Um... We we just signed on with Ashley Talent uh International. They uh they handle like uh Quiet Riot, King's X, uh Crocus, except uh Blackfoot, I think is a few other bands. And um, you know, they took us on. House of Lords hasn't had any US representation in quite a while. And we've been wanting to play in the US market again, but it's it's been really difficult for us. Uh, to to uh, get back in there, you know, there's a lot of agents that know of the band, you know, and would like to do something, but none of them want to take the time to build the band. Like you know, they have the roster of bands that you know the phone rings. Oh yeah, you want you want, uh, want Stephen Piercey, you want Rat, you want Warren. Okay, yeah, I got them. Okay, you know, and that's uh, and and uh, and they go to the same festivals, all the same bands do the exact same things all the time, and. We wanted we were really searching for somebody that's that knew that House of Lords needed to be almost in the U.S. anyway, you know, built from scratch because it's been years. Yeah. It's been since, you know, and that's what this this Ashley Talent, the guy, uh, Mark Hyman, He you know, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do this. He says, but it's going to take some time. So don't be calling my phone within a couple of weeks saying you got any gigs. So, you know, we don't bother him. He's just, you know, things are trickling in. Yes. And, and and he has a lot of ideas, a lot of things on the table that he's trying to do, and we're just going to let him do what he's got to do. Yeah, and so, um, and I don't care how long it takes. Yeah, so but we are going to Europe. We Excellent. we go to the, yeah we go to Europe at the end of August. We start at the Hair Metal Heaven Festival in the UK, and then we'll be over. Uh, um, you know, we'll be over in Europe for September and October, nice. like always. So, final question, Jimmy: How
2: many of the previous guitarists and House of Lords have you met?
3: Um, well. I met Doug. I've never met Laney. Um, uh, and the, I know for a fact that uh, a buddy of mine, Chris Impeleteri, played on one song, I think, on a, on a House of Lords song. I don't know which one it is, but I actually influenced Chris. Chris didn't – he used to live around here, and he wasn't a shred guitar player until he saw me play. So I I, I changed that whole that guy's entire – style of playing He wow. he said in interviews and everything yeah he was he was more in the randy Rhodes and everything and then he saw me play and lost his mind and had to become he wanted to be a, a shred guitar player that's all he wanted to do after he saw me play so um so chris you know i know chris played on one thing but as far as the other guitar players i've only met doug and uh and i gotta say doug is one of my favorite guitar players ever he really is
2: nice guy too i've interviewed him a few times
3: Oh, he really, really is. He's, he's. An, I've met some really great people over the past, uh, this past year. Steve Lynch from Autograph. Yep. What an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable guy, man. I've, I've, I, I've got to talk to him, and uh, he is one of the nicest, down the earth people you could ever imagine. Um, uh, Joel, that's in White Snake right now. You know, he's, he's a totally amazing, amazing guitar player. He's a, he's a real sweetheart of a person and Reb to both of those guys. They're really, really good. We were fortunate, you know, to get Mikel Lupi on, uh, to play keyboards on Harlequin. Now it's that, you know, from Whitesnake. That's a, that was a real big deal for us to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and I, be- him and I became friends because he was such a huge House of Lords fan. And, you know, I, I just got up enough courage to ask him if he'd want to do a keyboard solo on the record. And he said, yes. And then, And then I got a little bolder and asked him if he wanted to be in the video. And he said yes. But, uh, you know, he had to get permission from David on that. But, uh, uh, you know,
2: it's really one of those things. Nice. Well, Jimmy, it's been an absolute pleasure
3: to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy. And it was great to talk to you. I'm finally, I'm glad we finally got to do this. I know we, went back and forth on Facebook messages a little bit, but uh, yep. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. It's yep. a, a total pleasure to talk to you.
2: Yeah, so do you want to give out your the, the band's website or any of the social links so that people can contact you?
3: Sure, yes, please. Uh, it's houseoflordsband.com. That's our official brand-new website that was launched uh, a few months back. Um, we also have the House of Lords legends of rock page that's our facebook page that's our main page those two things uh and of course anybody could just look at any of my jimmy bell pages i got i got a jimmy bell a jimmy bell two a jimmy bell three a jimmy <laughs> bell music page i got a jimmy bell website i mean it's just like i i don't understand why facebook only lets you have fi- a limit of five thousand friends i had to open up three pages yeah. in order for this to you know to happen but yeah what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, if you get out on the
2: road, Jimmy, with the band, I'll uh, I'll be able to hook up and say hi to you.
3: Yeah, and and um, by any chance, uh, Richard, if you if you want to come and see, uh, if you want to come to that show where Joe Stump and I are playing, you just message me, and I'll make sure you get in. Uh, you know, it's coming up in a couple weeks.
1: Yep. At I'll keep an eye out
2: for that then, see what I can do. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right, Jimmy. Have a good rest of the night. You too now. Okay, Take care. Bye.
1: right, bye-bye. All right, that will do it for another week of Focus on Metal. Hope that you enjoyed Richie's conversation with Jimmy Bell from House of Lords. And of course, do yourself a favor: go out and pick up their brand new one, Saint of the Lost Souls. And while you're at it, also pick up a copy of Wolfpack with their brand new one wolves reign and while you're in the mood to pick things up you know what i would almost recommend that you head over to martinpopoff.com no he's not paying me to say this just uh always uh, me and richie both avowed martin popoff fans and the guy has been very very busy lately i know that i mentioned to richie a while back about the one i was reading hit the lights the birth of thrash and of course that's the first in a potential three-part series on the history of thrash that one goes up to 1983. Great book. You can go up there, and uh, there are PayPal links to buy that one if you haven't done that. Also, there's a brand-new Motorhead book, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, The Rise of Motorhead. It's a 260-page book and uh, nice stuff there as well. And just, uh, just two weeks ago, he also released Metal Collector, Gathered Tales from Headbangers. And, of course, that one there. I'm not sure if Richie took part in that one or not, but I know I did. And Martin's been working on that one for, I don't know, about five years now. Gathering stories from all us metalheads around the world. And another great read there. So again, do yourself a favor and go up to martinpopoff.com. And of course, while you're also running around the web, see how I'm weaving this all together? You also want to head over to earpeeler.com and get your dose of other shows besides focus on metal hey keep listening to focus on metal but also explore the vast universe of other shows that are out there on the internet and you can find all of those over at earpeeler.com and also before i head off into the sunset just a reminder that uh those of you that are local to focus on metal in the Boston area, and if any of you are happening to go to the um, the Metallica show on Friday night—that's right, the uh, the May nineteenth show out at Gillette Stadium. That Focus on Metal will be in the house, uh, kicking around at, uh, somewhere up in the Section 100's area. So uh, keep an eye out for us there. Or uh, at least keep an eye out for me. I'm not sure if Richie's going to that one or not, but I will be attending that one with the girlfriend. And hopefully we won't be drenched rats, because that's all it's been doing around here lately is raining. Thought we lived in Boston, not freaking Seattle. But for this week, for Focus on Metal, this one is done So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week, and until we talk to you again next week, Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant.